you don't want Santa to put you on the naughty list. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast, we talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed episode 224 is recorded live December 18th, 2014. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson joining you from the west side of the state of Michigan. And uh, we still don't have a whole lot of snow, which I, I find a little unusual. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well, thank you. And I am enjoying no snow. Yeah. On the ground. And we also have Jim Schultz joining us today. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing just great, thank you. Yeah, we're we're into December, which it's it happens. You can have a December with no snow, but you would think with how cold it was as early as it was, September and October and November, all having a little bit of snow in them, that December would have more. But here we are approaching the midway point, you know, less than a week away from Christmas, and we don't have snow in the ground. Little white stuff kind of in the edges of the yards, but nothing much to speak of. As long as I can see more grass than snow, I'm fine. Yeah. See, I wouldn't mind if this meant that we were getting close to the end, but we haven't started yet. This is well, it's not even winter yet. No, technically not. Not according to calendar. Correct. But it is getting really short days, and you do get some some cold out there. Well, you figure the twenty first, which is the first day of uh, winter, is yes. what the shortest day of the year. Yep. So now, I do like that 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 when that hits, it just starts getting longer already. Oh, absolutely! And you notice how it starts out in like two minutes a day. Yeah, it, it moves. It doesn't take but a month, and it's already you can get up and you can see daylight. Yeah, it moves along at a pretty good clip. So let's see. If we were in Alaska, we'd be approaching the the day of almost no sun. I'm not sure how that is up there, but it sounds logical. Yeah, yeah I know they have the in the summer. It goes the opposite way, where they have sun almost all day long. But I think they got some points where it's like uh, you get like just a little bit of glow in the distance, and that's it. Well, enough of that. Let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. Let's see what what I have in the right order. I've preloaded some of these up to make it go a little quicker. And the first one is GFP looks to slow the spread of muscles. And GFP is not a gym. It's it's a do they, do they say who GFP is? Don't you love the acronyms where they throw them right in there and they don't, don't say who it is? Is it it's in Nebraska? I'm thinking maybe. That's the only one I couldn't pull up. Oh, you couldn't get this article to come up? Uh, it, they, it comes up, but it's blank, meaning the heading and that whole article is not even there. Huh. Well, it is one of those websites where they're trying to get you to join if you viewed it too many times. Luckily, I've got four views remaining. So, so Fort Pierre says two state fishery officials said Friday there hasn't been any further evidence of quagga mussels or zebra mussels in South Dakota waters since the two initial incidents in recent months at the Angostura, is that Angostura? Angostura Reservoir and Lewis and Clark Reservoir. The state wildlife division fishery staff, however, is considering possible modifications to its invasive species management plan. This is according to fisheries chief John Lott. He told members of state Game Fish and Parks Commission. Ah, GFP, Game Fish and Parks. 
Commission, there's a good rules already in place to address plants, fish, and crayfish, but m- mussels remain a concern. Fishery staff will discuss options for reintroducing the potential for the spread of mussels in transported water via watercraft. The topic is very complicated, which I think is code for if they screw with it, people are going to vote them out of office. There are many people with different stakes in the lakes, such as recreational boaters. We are reviewing what other states have done. He said any proposed changes and regulations would be presented to commission in January so they could be in effect in April start a boating season. So the quagga mussel larvae known as, and I hadn't heard this term before, the leaguers? Yeah. Well, I wonder where that comes from. Is that? It's like the little, not tentacles, but the little protuberances mm-hmm. that they, they attach with. Okay. I do believe. Yeah, so they said that the larvae were found in the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation's water sample at Angostra and were confirmed through a second genetic test, according to Mike Smith. He said the invasive species program manager in the fisheries of the game fish and parks. Did I get it right? Yeah, game fish and parks. They said nothing was found in any additional samples from the location, however, and no adult quagga mussels were found along the shoreline or by scuba divers. Um, they said Angostra, which is on the Cheyenne River in the southwest South Dakota, Lewis and Clark Reservoir, where the zebra mussels were found November 7th, is on the Missouri River in southeastern North Dakota. The crew found the zebra mussels during removal of a courtesy boat dock for the winter season. Personnel checked multiple docks on November 18th, but didn't find any additional adults. Plans call for further sampling during 2015. Work with Nebraska biologists regarding Lewis and Clark Reservoir and a dive team returned to Angostra. Tura, Tura. Uh, Smith said the waters are now listed as suspect. Additional findings at either one within a three-year three-year period would be a positive listing. A multi-year class are found, and effective designation would be triggered. Would you say if there was an adult anywhere that there would have to be more in the lake? I mean, how would you get like one adult on a post? Don't know. I mean, I guess it could have fallen off a a boat or a trailer and then attached, but or a duck's leg. I guess, yeah, I guess ducks like would make sense. Just the way those things breed, it seemed like it would, as soon as you got one in there, it'd be all over. And then if you're thinking about going to the Maldives, or Mal, is that Maldives or Maldives? Maldives? For uh, scuba diving, you might want to check before you go. They're having a little bit of a water problem. One of the most popular destinations is nearly out of water. This according to California Diver Magazine. They said the Maldives, which is compi- composed of 1,190 coral island South Island, southwest of India, is nearly out of drinking water. They said a fire disabled the nation's lone sewage treatment plant. About 100,000 people, I'm going to say that's Malay, the capital are expected to be on strict rations for at least another week while repairs are made. Because of a few natural sources of water, the Maldives dependent on treated salt water for residents and tourists. Only water currently available stored in tanks and being supplied only one hour in every 12 hours. Some areas panic has set in, resulting in residents attacking stores who are rationing bottled water. In response, India has set five transport planes of fresh water and the Maldives also seeking help from China, Sri Lanka, and the United States. Only people with Maldivian identity cards are eligible for the free water. Thousands of micro- migrant workers, which would be bad for you, is uh, the Bangladesh, India, Nepal, Pakistan, and Sri Lankans were unable to receive help. So how's that, how's that work? So you beg for some help from Sri Lanka, but then you're not going to give any of their migrant workers any water. Maldives is home to about 400,000 people and about 750,000 tourists visit each year. Only 30% of the gross domestic product comes from the tourism. Scuba diving is the primary attraction. I'm curious, what did they do for water before they had a water plant? They probably didn't have that many people on that that, that location. 
But they still had to have water. I bet you they had tankers, wouldn't you say? You'd have to have a, a ship or a vessel that would come in and haul it. Well, what about 100 years ago? They had to have people on those islands. What do they drink? Well, they said that there's not many sources. I don't know. I'm just curious. I mean, 400,000 people is a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you had, uh, you know, cisterns. You probably collect rainwater and that sort of things. But if you've got desalinated water, why would you go through all that hassle? Until now. Or like you said, you boil seawater and take the, yeah. you know, just and then make your own. Yeah. Like see everybody at home making their own little fires, distilling the water. They could do that. Well, yeah. I I think I would figure out some way of getting water. Take a vacation to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to go to California by the looks of it. NASA says it would take 11 trillion gallons of water to end California's drought. Yeah, but if you gave them 11 trillion gallons of water tomorrow, they'd bitch about it. Well, I've heard people in uh, San Francisco in the last week were complaining about how much water they've got. So the water is coming down. Uh, the NASA came up with the number using its uh, Gravitar Recovery and Climate Experiment satellites to eyeball the water uh, storage in Sacramento and the San, uh, was it Quinn? Chuckwin? It's probably if I heard it, I'd, I'd know what it is. Uh, ba- River Basins, the data showed the water storage in the basin was 11 trillion gallons below normal seasonal levels at the peak of the drought earlier this year. San Joaquin. San Joaquin, that's right. Uh, the the volume of water in these basins dropped by 4 trillion gallons each year since 2011, most of the loss due to a lack of groundwater under the state's central valley. Now, they said if you've noticed, <clears throat> it's been raining a lot in California. Uh, they said that nearly 95% of California was re- receiving a drought is expected to range from severe to exceptional. The rain last week didn't alter the drought monitor's latest summary, though more rain could potentially alter the next report the summary said. Rain won't be enough to make up for years of drought, the scientists say. It takes years to get into a drought of severity. It'll take many more big storms and years to crawl out of it. And they said, if you have 11 trillion gallons of water handy, please call NASA. Well, well how I, much water is in the Great Lakes? Well, I, I actually, I'm glad you asked that because I did a little bit of research. The Great Lakes has six quadrillion gallons of water. Don't spread that around because they'll want us to send them some. Yeah, yeah well, probably. Well, and I so so I I said well, okay, well six quadrillion, and they're eleven trillion short, and you know it's kind of hard to you know visualize because you've got Lake Superior, Lake Michigan here on Ontario Erie. Uh, so just Lake Michigan has one hundred twenty nine trillion gallons of water. So about one tenth of Lake Michigan is what California is short. Yeah, but if you took one-tenth of the water out of Lake Michigan, you'd make a significant impact in it. Oh, you certainly would. And, uh, you know, Michigan and Huron are really the same lake. Uh, if you oh, We could just get it from Russia, yeah. their big lake, and let them do that for us because it has as much as we do. And that's only one lake. Yeah. Well, and I got to doing some, some other calculations of, okay, from cost, even if you already – you know, if you had the water and you decided to transport it there, it would be much more expensive to transport it or to build an infrastructure like an aqueduct. So you did aqueduct from Michigan to California. That'd be more expensive. So the the most economical way would be desalinization. Uh, and if you look at the cost for that and you start doing it in volumes, you can get down to about uh, two-tenths of a cent per gallon. So desalination, if, you mean? Yep, desalinate, desalinization. If you went out and got 11 trillion gallons 
and you got it from the little water bottles. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to pollute the world because you'll have <laughs> four times that much water bottles. Plus, you know, if you could sell Florida, if you could sell California that much water at a dollar a bottle, man, you got a lot of money. Yeah, we can, I mean, we could pay for the national debt. We could. That that might be how we we pay our way out of it. We'll just that's bottle it up and send it to California. Table that, and we'll talk about that some other time. But that's a good good thing. Yeah, but I, I was looking at the desalinization, and uh, you know, nuke they do it in nuclear energy, which would be the least expensive way. But say you did it in traditional methods, and you were going to recover all that for one hundred ninety-two billion dollars, you could re, uh, create eleven trillion gallons of water. So there you go, California. Just just come up with one hundred and ninety-two billion, and you're all set. Well, if you got money, you can make money. There's somebody's <laughs> opportunity right there. Yes. To build one, if you've got the extra change, and then sell it to California government. Well, how about uh, like an aircraft carrier? You know, a typical aircraft carrier does four hundred thousand gallons of of water a day is what it makes, and it's it's tends to be a waste product. Not saying a waste product, but they have uh, the way they do it is they use some of the energy as their as the steam's cooling down, and that's where they where they do that. And there's a lot of other processes for desalinization where they they do the same thing, where they they have another process and they use the waste heat to uh, help desalinate. But yeah, it's it's possible. So it gives you a little bit of idea how how big of an effect we have. Scuba Santas are taking a plunge. And uh, this one's in Ireland. Santa's took to the water in Chipstow Diving Center this weekend in aid of a charity. 75 Santas took plate, place, took part, place. They took a part of place. They they took part in the 8th annual, eighth annual <laughs> Scuba Santa event in the National Diving and Activity Center in, on Sunday. The Santas are joined by Stormy Sam, the Royal National Lifecoat. <laughs> I, I said lifecoat. I don't know. Maybe I, uh, Maybe we're just done with the news. Don't worry, we'll edit all this out. Yeah, I just just cut it out. So, very good episode, and you hear the introduction, the end, and that's it. That tells you how much I cut it. They're estimated to have raised about 1,000 pounds or 15 and 1,500 pounds. This charity event encourages as many scuba divers as possible, dress as Santa Claus costumes, and enjoy the festivities. Since 2007, the Santas have raised more than 20,000 pounds for charity. It was originally organized by a team of divers from Yorkshire Divers. You must, that must be one of the requirements you have to make your own scuba suit, or scuba, scuba suit, your own Santa costume. Goodness. <laughs> Easy I, for you to say. I'm just going to go upstairs and, and take a nap. I'm done. <laughs> it's It's been one of those weeks at work, I tell you. It's interesting. I was looking at the suit, and you'll see a couple of them that happen to have a suspicious-looking valve right in the middle of their chest. Yeah. Seeing that, there's so there's some non-divers, but there's some dry suit divers versus wet suit divers in there. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking the ones with the valves. I thought that was like a pacemaker. No, that's for the geriatric diver club. <laughs> that they could, you know, it was one they have one of the paddles already pre-attached, so they just <laughs> don't have to zap them. And then we have two Rowan State scientists break the record for living underwater. The scientists from the Rowan State Community College have broken the world record for the longest time anyone has lived under the sea, having spent nearly 10 weeks living underwater as of yesterday. Now, is that true? If you're on a boomer, you spend more than that time under the sea. That's what I was going to say, because my dad, I mean, he was in fast attacks, and it was like three months. Yeah, they would go down on something. So now maybe that's to open 
water? I mean, because in a in a boomer, you're just you're you're mostly at one atmosphere, aren't you? You're in a can. Yeah. This way, I think they must be able to get out and do their surveys and come back in. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's what it is. Yeah, because you you know the military, they've probably done up to six months before just in some tests. Is that they, the same under sea lodge that everybody else has been using? Yeah, the Jules Verne yep. under sea lodge. Yeah. They must be getting some pretty good money off that place. Six ninety five per person for one night? That's a little steep. Is that what they say? It is. Yeah. The Undersea Lodge is located between twenty five feet of water, it is equipped with a common area, two individual guest rooms with current rates around six ninety five per person for one night stay. You could try your hand at living underwater. Oh, this is the one where they had the pizza delivered. Now that would be an interesting stat. How many times did they have pizza? Because at some What's point like bag. Yeah. Well they had the pizza guy, he delivered it. He came right on down. Um so they've sent what's been considered the record. They've been living underwater since October 3rd, and they returned to dry land on Monday, December 15th, for 73 days spent living underwater. The pair looking forward to returning to fresh air once again. We'll be happy to see the skies and sun. That must have gotten a little friendly down there for that long period of time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> I just met from the aspect, you know, two people cooped up together like that. That's why they're not married, because if they were, they wouldn't be at the end of that, probably. Yeah. As a side note, remember I talked about the UFO? Yeah. If you zip on down to turn that same page, you'll see the one that says, NASA hides the truth for 60 years. Oh, okay. Here, I'm gonna, then you'll see to... the picture of the uh, UFO they're bringing up. Okay, we're going to we're gonna have to cover that one. Okay, let me see. NASA hides the truth for 60 years. You see the shape of it? Yeah. And if that... you click on it, it really looks interesting. Well, the one looks like Photoshop. The top one looks like rotor wash from a helicopter. It says, divers pulled real UFO out of the ocean. October twenty second, 2014 is the article. Why is NASA silent? They don't say, is that it? That's that's all it is, is a photo? Yeah, it, it, I still looked at it. It's pretty neat looking. I feel but, cheated. Yeah, nice picture. It is a nice, nice picture, but to me it screams Photoshop. Yeah, little gay. And somebody who uses a lot of Photoshop. <laughs> oh, I didn't see the other fo- the other sh- shots. Oh. Did you see the next photo, Mac? You mean the one down below it? No, you do. As you go, it says, do uh, you, you see the picture? And it says, view next photo. And there's one and then a two and a three and all these squares. There's ten pictures there. Okay. And do you like the pictures? You're still looking at them, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm still looking at them. And then Adobe want to install some sort of crazy software. Come on. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want to I want to find a little bit more about this. I, I still think these are, like that one in the hangar, that looks like a movie set. Maybe it's the new Star Wars. Could be. Pretty cool, though, isn't it? Yeah, especially yeah. the ones with the alien. A little sucker. Huh. I'm trying to figure out what that one is, the guy, the, the guy where he looks surprised. Is that like a gag? I keep getting photos of half-naked women. I don't know why. Maybe I'm clicking the wrong buttons. <laughs> I think no, maybe, we got the right buttons. We got the wrong buttons. Yeah, huh? That, that was interesting. It's uh, I think that was clickbait. Just stuff kind of crammed together to see what they could get. But a little sidetrack there. And then seventy-five hundred-year-old underwater village, and they're speculating it may have been the oldest olive oil production center in the world. The excavation site is off uh, Haifa, Israel, or Haifa. It uh, revealed seventy-five-year-old water well in Neolithic village. The finds are pre-metal and pre-pottery sediment that lived on the Kafar Samir site. Uh, the village is now 5 meters or 16 feet 
underwater due to prehistoric sea level rises. I'm just curious, does that mean the water level's been high before, not due to global warming? You mean it was it was low and then it it raised up. I I'm I'm thinking it was from, you know, all the flatulence from the animals that they had there and well, that, that's what that's what did it. Uh, okay, I thought Atlantis went down, made the water come up, and then took care of this one. Yeah, exactly. The, the researchers from the Findlers University in Australia, uh, Israel's University of Haifa, and Israel Antiquities Authority has been excavating the submerged structures in the area using uh, leading-edge photogrammetry in hopes of gleaning insight in the ancient society that once lived there, what they ate, how they hunted, and who they traded with. The well is thought to have... Go ahead. I'll interject and say I can see in 2,500 years again, they're going to find rapids from Burger King and McDonald's yeah. and try to figure out what we ate, too. Yeah, I bet you they will. Uh, but the one thing I noticed as I was looking and you see the well is it's just not the water level in 7,500 years is up 16 feet because you don't build a well down at the beach, especially on a salt, off of salt water. So that meant that there was there had to have been, what, 50 feet? difference 60 feet i mean it had to have been a significant significant amount of difference because you'd you'd have to be able to dig a well that had fresh water in it and not yeah. salt water trickling in yeah. uh, they said at some point the the well probably did start seeping salt water and then the well went from being a vessel you pulled water out to a pit you threw trash in which is what they're finding interesting now i like to comment though I didn't get down there. Let me see. What's one of the better ones? I'm a little confused. Maybe somebody can help. If the village was at sea level 7,500 years ago and is now five meters submerged, then who can we blame for the global warming, for this global warming? <laughs> I think I sort of mentioned that earlier. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I understand where they're coming from. Greenland was warm 800 years ago. Farmers making a little a living from cattle and agriculture. It's gotten real cold since, huh? Yep. And nobody had a coal power fired power plant not then <laughs> and here here we have the largest artificial reef in the hemisphere set to deploy off marco island this is from uh, marco island florida pipes and other suitable concrete are getting prepared to go to the gulf of mexico to make the largest artificial reef in the western hemisphere rubble about 600 to 800 tons has been collected on the north side of the ss judge jolly bridge will be loaded onto a barge be transported offshore dropped in the first delivery for the reef project ceremonies is scheduled for 10 a.m thursday january 8th near the jolly bridge standing area the program will include an address by the county commissioner ribbon cutting in front of the fully loaded barge question yep um when you take some concrete and put it in water, don't you get an acidic residue out? I'm just wondering if you dump all of this into there for that reef, whether or not when the water salt water mixes with it, they're going to get a different chemical reaction that may be poisonous. Hasn't that happened before? I'm not familiar with that, but I do believe that there could be something along those lines that can happen. I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, last week we talked about the wooden poles with tree salt on them. They did that for years, and now they realize, whoops. That leaches out. Yeah, they said when completed, the reef will measure one quarter mile by one quarter mile. How can they get that from just that little bit of concrete? That doesn't make sense. It's got to be more than that. 600 to 800 tons is a quarter mile by a quarter mile. 
See, the, the one drop area is 36 feet of water. The second is in 74 feet of water. Grief is meant to generate millions in tourism dollars for Collier County. A 2011 Sea Grant study of six coastal communities in Florida found that the users of artificial reef created 2,600 jobs that generated $253 million annually for those counties. I'd like to know what those jobs are. Well, I'm sure they're, they're spreading it around restaurants and hospitality and dive shops and the like. I'm always interested in the uh, return on the investment to see how that looks and how they calculated that. Sometimes it's quite interesting. So the project is funded by a $1.3 million grant from the settlement from BP. British Petroleum? Yep. Well, that's that's interesting because one of the uh, companies, this little inside baseball, that uh, a company that I work with acquired went out of business and they they said a large factor in it was the oil spill because they did business with a lot of tourism companies and they just stopped spending and they weren't able to survive the the downturn so i think bp got out pretty easy on that yeah yeah they didn't do it out of the, the goodness of their heart no they they were they were required to fund it to promote tourism because of their deep water spill yep and then we've got a photo of the week are you there again different photo what are you talking about picture of you ah you said photo of the week no i I don't get any good pictures i think this one's from japan this is a photographer who loves to take photos of jellyfish i read that first as a snapping jellyfish that's all what they call it snapping jelly really no if if you read it really quick and it just said snapping normal jellyfish then you get just with snapping da 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 ah Yes, it was captured by, it's a Brazilian photographer, Lucia Ture, uh in the waters off of Japan. And this is one of those jellies that you occasionally see photoshopped, where they try to convince you that it's a 50-foot jellyfish. But uh, that's the Noruma, Nura, and N-O-M-U-R-A, Namura. Jellyfish can grow 6 feet 6 inches in diameter and found most commonly in the sea between Japan and China. wonder how badly that little sucker could sting you. It, it looks like it could hurt. But it didn't have the longer, longer tentacles that were associated with the ones around some of the beaches I've seen. Yeah, it looks like a pretty... Like they're so feet long. This is short. Yeah, he's a pretty beefy guy, though. Yeah. And, and you figure if, if you're a jelly that big, you have to be pretty good at getting something to eat. Now, I wonder if you could harvest these suckers. You wouldn't need as many. Yeah, jelly ball is a jelly Maybe. cannon. Despite their formal size, she loves photographing nature's gentle giants. It's funny because most of the time my friends call me crazy, but they like and admire my photographs, so it really makes me happy. Well, those are nice shots, though, aren't they? They are beautiful. Very good color, contrast. Yeah, especially like when you can get somebody in the shot. You know, the one with the divers is really nice. It's interesting, the contrast shot between her and there in the side of the mountain full of snow. Yeah. And then at the jellyfish there. Yeah. Let's see. We had something else. Oh, we have some. Uh, I got in the potentially cool scuba gear category, but you wonder how much of this is true. I mean, if you were if you were just going to want to mess with uh, somebody in international politics, you would, you would leak this story. Uh, it's a Navy has a new robot, and it just happens to be shaped like a shark. It's the uh, it's a oh, crud advertisement came up. Navy's underwater drone is designed and look to look and swim like a real fish. It has the ability to spook the bejesus out of beachgoers who are familiar with Jaws. It does look very reminiscent of a shark. 
says it's nearly five feet long, 100 pounds, about the size of an albacore tuna. Looks more like a shark, especially from a distance. The Navy announced it's wrapped up testing the design last week. It can be operated in water shallow as 10 inches and dive down to 300 feet, controlled remotely via 500-foot tether, swim independently, periodically returning to the surface to communicate. I bet that costs a couple of shekels. Oh, yeah. I think if you had the the, the uh, money from that one, you'd uh, have been doing okay. And you got to figure that every foreign military in the world is now adding sharks and fish to their watch list. They call that, what, the ghost swimmer? Is, it, is that what they named it? Yeah, they're talking about here the animal lovers will be glad to hear that the ghost swimmer could take the jobs of bottlenose dolphins and California sea lions. The Navy currently trains to spot underwater mines and recover equipment. Yeah, they they uh, they eliminated that program a couple of years ago with the dolphins. Surprised they mentioned it in here. Well, that does it for scuba news. We moved quite a, along quite quickly this week. There wasn't a lot of articles out there. Kind of a slow news week, unless you want to count the 500 articles on scuba diving Santas at every aquarium in the country. So let's. T- What's that? Just about. Yeah, they're just, they were everywhere. Yeah. Like every article. So. Let's talk about diving. I, I, I know there's some people who got out. I didn't get a chance or I had a, an opportunity but didn't go. I was, I'm just running into that time of year where I've, I've got so much to do and so little time left to get it done. That's what Santa Claus says. Yeah. Are you Santa Claus? I am not Santa Claus. I may look like Santa Claus, but I, underst- I understand that uh, you guys got some diving in. Yeah, Matt got a little more in than I did. Well, I, I saw they had a, another pawpaw lake dive to test out the dry suits. How'd that go? Went very well. Uh, I think Bob had a glove leak, so he, he had a relatively short dive, but he was out with his uh, rebreather. And Kurt was out there. He's out there in 45, 50 feet of water saying, it's flat. There's nothing out here except for, and he picked up rocks and some masks and things like that. Ex- except Kirk picked up stuff off the bottom? Yes. Wow. He Wait must up. have been not feeling good way off the slope and uh i did i did find a nice hutchie bottle just laying in the sand waiting for me hutchie and i haven't cleaned the brass prop yet Ooh, brass prop yeah i was off a sailboat it's the type that fold up when they're not using it then when you turn the motor on it flips out and rotates yeah, yeah those are pretty fancy so it's got to be an old one yeah I, I like those those are nice and decorative yeah maribeth got out there on her own and uh she left there trying to see if she could find me and she actually found me just look for the cloud? I, I didn't ask her how she found her, but she did. <laughs> so uh, she's she's doing a lot better. She, and, was she in a dry suit this time? Oh, yes. Uh, she has gone to the dry side. Now, is she saying what took her so long? Well, usually people say that because it, it's monetary. It's not because you don't want to. I, I know the monetary part. That's what kept me away from it for a while. Yeah, you know, things like brakes needing for the car always takes precedent over that. And they always happen. Yeah. So that was last Sunday. Now, uh, was it well, was Saturday. He got out Saturday. Yeah, no, I got out on Sunday. You guys got out on Saturday. That was Saturday. Okay, Saturday for us, Sunday for you. Yep, and then Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, I, Sunday, I got into the river and came up with some nice fishers. Uh, got an 8-inch wide, 10-inch tall stoneware crock, a nice blue uh, ball canning jar, uh Couple uh, ponds, cold cream ball or cups, you know, jars. A uh, a half pint milk bottle. It's the first half pint I found. You know, usually I pick up quarts and pints, 
Mm-hmm. But that's just a half pint. So, all in all, it was a good day. Our current was really <laughs> ripping, though. Who was out there with you? Uh, Mark. And how did he do? He did okay. Uh, he had a few fines also from the far side, but he struggled getting across the river through the current to get to the far side. But he, he made his way over and made his way back. I was testing out a, a rental dry suit. I hear one of mine's, one of mine's, one is in the, sh- both the mine are in the shop for repairs because of leaks. So. Too bad you don't know somebody who's worked at a dive shop. Yeah, I know. I got half of mine, half of one of them repaired. The other one I sent to the manufacturer because I'm getting a new zipper put in it. Oh, nice. And an expansion panel. Nah, that, that, that just for, uh, you know, advanced mobility. Uh, well, that's so I don't rip the zipper again. <laughs> Actually, I'm getting a longer zipper put into it, which will make it easier to get in and out because it's a front zip over the shoulder. Uh, longer zipper, and, and, you're just bragging there. Well, you know. And then they're also going to widen the zipper for me or widen the panel the zipper goes in so I can gain an inch or two around the middle because it was not my suit. when I, It was a used suit, and it wasn't sized for me, so I'm getting it sized a little more. But uh, I'm finding those Harveys, if you want to crush neoprene suit, a Harvey suit's a very dependable suit. Now, how was the visibility there in the river with all that current? Mm, I'd say I still had a good six feet. Oh, wow. Or more. It kind of makes you wonder where all this current comes from. Are they playing with dam levels? To draw uh, that well, current? a lot of that current was because of the bridge. They've got some uh, coffered dams that they've put in there to start diverting water uh, oh. or block water on part of the bridge. They can start tearing the bridge out. So, you know, I'd say what, Mac? Half, two-thirds? Well, I, I know they're, they're uh, one of the dams upstream. They're dropping the water six inches a week until they get it two feet below normal. Uh, they want to minimize ice dams and ice damage this year. Uh, that might have something to do with the increased velocity. Or I'm sure. The water, the water level was up again today. Yeah, water level was up about six inches over what it had been on Sunday because we can measure it against the pipe that we use to go out. Yeah. And it was it was up a good six inches or more on the pipe. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I would think that's been prudent to take advantage of the, the wintertime to move as much water down out of the reservoir so if you have a big melt in the spring you can contain it and not have uh, ice damage now you said they're doing cofferdam so that's restricting the flow of the river then as well yeah yeah it's all sending it to that one side and as max said if if they were dropping it sounds like the current was worse today than it was the, when i was out there mac yeah they've got uh they're putting those pontoons out and they're using the downrigger or the outriggers to help stabilize them so they can drive uh, vehicles out there on the pond, on the on the basically pontoons, and do excavation. Oh, so they're using like, like a, you like you said they were digging today on the bridge. Some of those pilings must have been filled with dirt because they're digging those out, and you can see the scoops of dirt coming up, putting them on trucks, and the trucks are running off. Oh, would that have been where they'd have done? You know, they'd have done like a slip form and poured concrete against the form, and then earth and filled the center of them. That's what it sounds like because they weren't digging in the river. Because, Jim, you mentioned that it looks like that's what they're going to be doing and the visibility would be shot down. Yeah. We didn't see that, but we did see them clamshell or using the big backhoe, not backhoes, but using the shovels to go 
I mean, you're, you can't dig dirt on a concrete bridge unless you're going down for the piling tar. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like they pulled them up with dirt, and that's being evacuated. Hmm. We did watch one of the guys get a boat, and he, what he forgot to do was to start the engine before he cast off. So as he passes us, and he's still trying to get the engine started, <laughs> we, 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 we are quite uh, in the belief that next time he won't do that. <laughs> did he have that look at his face like oh shit <laughs> yeah like how do i get the boat somewhere other than where i don't want it to go he did finally get it started and went back and of course he didn't look in our direction when he passed me yeah. <laughs> you can hear some whistling da, 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 da. yeah huh. so we've been getting wet yeah doing good guys yeah we went back out monday and uh like jim said i was getting faster then and we did get a couple of good bottles and actually a couple of good keepers. And then I, we went out again today. And uh, it's a little fast because I'm hauling a 25-pound-plus anchor, and it's dragging me backwards. Now, was that an anchor that you found or one that you brought with you? Well, I no, I, I brought one with me. We we were modifying the creepers. Uh-huh. Uh, we weighed down the one, gave that to uh, Ken to let him play with it. And I took a very large anchor I'd had, rigged it with a trailing line and with a sweep line and uh, sort of hopscotched out there. But you started getting in the middle, and it started hauling your ass backwards, dragging that sucker with it. Wow. That's pretty good to oh. haul an anchor. Yeah, because I went upstream, way upstream, went in, and I when I got to the other side, I was, well, 45 degrees angle from where I started to hit the other side. Mm. And then when I came back, I did the same thing. Oh, so you didn't tell us about your finds today. Well, I posted one. Oh, did you? I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Yeah, it's just on my site. I didn't put it on the club site because it won't take it. The club site won't take it? No, I couldn't get the damn thing to load up. Uh, I got a really nice, I cleaned it up already. I haven't taken pictures of it. It's got to be pre-1880 whiskey. It's spun oh. because you see the marks from the wooden all the way mm -hmm. up. Neck, the shoulders are offset. The neck of the bottle is a little off with a unique top, and it's got a double pommel. Are, uh, on the bottom. That looks mm. cool. I was very pleased with that one. Now, what's so that's that? on your site? Oh, well, I just put it on Facebook for... Well, no, I didn't. I didn't even put that on there. Yeah, well, on Facebook, you do have one object on uh, oh, Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> that was the second most important find today. Now, does that, does that have a name? Say what? Does that object have a name? Did you name it? I, I don't think we did. It is interesting, mm. I know, we, uh, Mr. Squiggles, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> it could be. Uh, but like it's Yeah, you haven't. There's, yeah, don't see your bottles on there. No. But it's Just getting, the next like, best thing. Yeah, it's getting, it's getting to the point where it's getting, again, depending on who you are, but it's starting to get a little hazardous to go across. You will beat yourself. You're, you're going to use at least five to 700 pounds getting across, and you better leave yourself a thousand reserve coming back. You figure the. Uh, Water temperature was warm compared to the air temperature. We had uh, 37 water. The air temperature was 28, but if you count the wind chill factor, it was 21. So when your hands got wet, it got freaking chilly on the hands. So it was a chilly day, but we had fun. Uh, Sir Larry came out and tended for us, and it's always great to have surface support. Yeah, it's nice to have a tender. Mm -hmm. All right, it's really necessary because if you've got problems and your hands are frozen or something and you get out, you really appreciate having that guy on shore. And yes, you do. And it's nice if you can actually use the boat ramp. If you're coming out other spots, it's almost impossible. I know when we've been upstream and you come out that banks, if you're in the water too long, it's very difficult to 
climb and grab and maneuver when you start yeah. getting cold. Yeah. It can make for a bad day. Yeah, but it's still more more choosy. Yeah, we're going to be heading out to, uh, I think we're going to be heading out Little Pawpaw in Texas County. That's our plan die for Saturday. Okay. We're looking for a drone. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I lost it. Doesn't that sound exciting? Look for a drone. Unfortunately, it's not a military drone. Darn it. That would be even better. You <laughs> mm. might have a chance of finding something if there's a trailer. Yeah. But okay. we'll see. If the individual doesn't recontact us, we're not going to go. We'll find some other place to go. Yeah. No, that... Well, I'm planning to hit the river on Sunday. Sunday again? Cool. Yep. Sunday afternoon, just kind of be in my river thing, my river time. Yeah, I, I, I may try and, and join you on Sunday. I'll have to see. Uh, we'll try ours. Like I said, we'll be doing something on a Saturday. Well, uh, we're, we're getting ready to head into dive show season. So before we know it, we'll be in past the first of the year. And it will be time to start hitting all the dive shows. Well, you know, you figure where you're going to be a week from now. That's Christmas Day already. That is Christmas Christ? Day, a week from yeah, now. Yeah, we're going to do a podcast. Do well, a podcast next week. Uh, it's it's up to you guys. I I think we can. I'm I'm pretty sure I'll be back in time to do a podcast if you guys are up for it. If I'm home, I'm up. But... I'm not planning to go anywhere. Okay, so let's plan on it. So if you're listening to the show, we'll catch. This might be one of our first ever. Christmas. Now, uh, Jim Kleeman is actually going to Florida, and he'll be in Florida all next week, so I'm I'm wondering if he's going to get any diving in. I have a feeling he won't, but... But if he's in Florida, he won't be working. Maybe you can get him back on as a, you know, <laughs> back on the podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Usually I have to be with him to con him to get back on the podcast, but we can... We can motivate him or something. I'm trying to convince him that he needs a, you know, takes the Thursday evenings off and he can join us. And because we need to get him back diving too. He's he's a little. He didn't get many dives in this year. He and I only got out yeah. a few times. Well, I do know the small ponds and things like that are starting to freeze over already. Yeah, I've, those are around my house. And, you can and we see. are going to be doing Barren Lake. Hopefully, just looking at what we got now, we're probably going to have skim ice. Not sure how far out we'll go, but. Uh, we're at least getting a lot of dives in prior to the New Year's dive. Yes. And if they have the dive up north uh, in the afternoon, that's another option for some people. And probably SAS will be doing a January 1st noon dive. They have been uh, over in Gull Lake. Again, if we don't have ice, it's, a, it's probably a go. Yeah. So post it for that if anybody's interested. I didn't know. Is, are they still diving in Holland? Uh, they did not last year. They were going to. Then they had too much ice or something happened because they didn't. Because I was going to go to that one, and I yeah. wound up going to Gull Lake because they didn't have any problem with ice. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to try that. I, d I don't know yet what uh, New Year's Day is going to bring. Hopefully not a hangover. <laughs> it, it's hard to tell. I think we've got company coming this year, so it could well, be. Just get your oxygen tank out, and that helps get rid of that. Drink a lot of water and breathe oxygen. Yep. Break out your oxygen tank. Yeah. Take some vitamins. Hydrate. Or even better than that, don't drink the night before. Well, just don't drink too much the night before. Well, you can drink water, pop, <laughs> margarita or two. Not a gallon. It just depends on what size the glass is. That's why I said not a gallon. <laughs> well, you just keep the glass half full. Uh, Continue. The, the glass is always half full. Isn't that what Optimist is supposed to say? All right. Let's see. Do we have anything to plug? Anybody got anything coming up want to mention? Yeah. Now's a good time to get regulators in for service. Yeah, but your regulators, tanks. Yeah, hydros. 
Hydros, yeah. I've, I've got one that needs a hydro that I'll have to drop off. Now, if you're using it every week, you know it's in good shape. So just continue to use it. Right, <laughs> right. Other than my dive shop guy caught me. That's how come I know it needs a hydro, because I would have never thought to look. So that gives me some ideas and things that I need to work when I'm, when I'm off. I'm going to be off between Christmas and New Year's from work, but somehow I have a feeling it's going to be pretty well packed with things I'm, I want to get done. Well, like I said, we'll probably do one this weekend, and then I'll hold off next week because I don't want to screw up the New Year's. Now, you got any uh, skydiving you're doing? No, I would still love to do a skydive, you know, do the dive first and then run over, catch the airplane, and then jump out and over in Michigan City, different time zone, and celebrate it twice. But ah. you can never plan on the weather. No, you never know how that's going to work. But it would have been easy because then you dive at Barron and then hop over to the airport, which is only a couple of miles away, and then fly over there to Michigan City. Sounds like a lot of work. I have to leave the dry suit on, though. I would think the dry suit would uh, would help keep things warmer. Yeah, I, I had a plan before using a Viking because that way you're also dry when you're in the airplane. Okay. Because it dries quick, and then you put the rig on, you're good. Mm-hmm. Not get your gear screwed up. That would be different, though. I really like to get both items done in one night. That would be cool. No, no pun intended on the cool part. Yeah, yeah a dive and fly. Yeah, yeah as well, long as you kept the dive shallow, it would be fine. Yeah, I, I think once my uh, daughter is uh, no longer really cares if we're around for her birthday, I may have to do that. Well, your daughter will always care if you're around for her birthday. I can tell you that already. Yeah. Well, the birthday's all day. I mean, you can sneak <laughs> away a little bit at night. Oh, you mentioned the diving. Yeah. 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 Well, that's it's what's kept me from doing it. Otherwise, I'd be in there with you guys. But or just bring her with you. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no. She doesn't want to do it. She's not interested she at this point. Hey, honey, I need you to come take pictures of Danny. Yeah. And then you can say when you're at school, what did you do on New Year's? I went out and braved the elements. I was El Macho helping my father have a good time. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, build it up a little bit here. Uh, I know. I know. You don't work with wives, though. <laughs> at the very beginning, like, dive one half, I think it kind of counted. But it was like, I got to go where? No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, Sharon did that many, many years with me. Tending line. She said, done it, been there, got the T-shirt, and she don't have to anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did it the other way with, with her with horses. And that that's, well, it's another sport that will wear on you, horses. Still got a bunch of hay burners in the yard. Well, we'd like to thank everybody who gave us uh, five-star reviews on iTunes. If you haven't done it, you can go out there and do it. We also have, uh, as a reminder, you can go to Scoob Obsessed web- website, click on the About link, scroll down to Scoob Obsessed Fans, and you can place your pin in the map. We had a, had a few pins added recently. We've got divers all over the world who are listening to the show. We want to see where you're listening from, so go to the website. Put your name in the fan map. It usually takes me about a day to approve it. It sends me an email and says, hey, somebody added to it. But we like to see where you're from. And i uh, got a nice smattering. With, now, now there's, uh, other than Egypt, Africa is a little bit light. I know we have to have some, some listeners from Africa, especially maybe South Africa. You know, South America is a little light. We have a couple. Uh, let's see, what's this one down here? We have Chile. We have Juan and Chile listening down there. We're represented in Australia, New Zealand. I thought we had some in Japan. I'm not seeing anybody there now. But you've got the fan map. Uh, if you're interested in, in following the Mud Club, mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. 
and uh, iTunes. We always love those five-star iTunes reviews. Let us know how you're listening to us. You can listen to us on WRVO Radio, Rich Viola's Viola. His uh, network has been kind enough to rebroadcast the show. And if you're interested in outdoor programming, fishing, hunting, scuba diving, boating, you can get that on the WRVOoutdoors.com. You can also listen to us on Stitcher, Stitcher Smart Radio. Put in the keyword scuba. We're also there if you like to get listen to us that way. And I think we have reached that time of the show. Woo-hoo! That time, huh? It is that time. And this one is a seasonal, so it should be appropriate. And uh, I like these stories where they kind of explain you know, certain traditions that we have. So it goes that uh, when four of Santa's elves got sick and the trainee elves did not produce the toys as fast as the regular ones, Santa was beginning to feel pressure of being a little behind schedule. Then Mrs. Claus told Santa that her mom was coming to visit. This stressed Santa even more. When he went to harness the reindeer, he found that three of them had been about to give birth and two had jumped the fence and were out. Heaven knows where. More stress than he began to load the sleigh. One of the boards cracked. The toy bag fell on the ground and scattered the toys. So frustrated, Santa went in the house for a cup of apple cider and a shot of rum. When he went to the cupboard, he discovered the elves had hidden his liquor and there was nothing to drink. In his frustration, he accidentally dropped the cider pot. It broke into hundreds of little pieces all over the kitchen floor. He went to the broom and found the mice had eaten the straw of the broom. Just then the doorbell rang and irritated Santa trudged to the door. He opened the door and there was a little angel with a great big Christmas tree. The angel said very cheerfully, Merry Christmas, Santa. Isn't it a lovely day? I have a beautiful tree for you. Where would you like me to stick it? And then that kind of explains how the angels got on top of the Christmas tree. <laughs> That's pretty good. And mm. seasonal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not quite sure that would be the, the, the words you would use. You're kind of setting yourself up. But, you know, angels, they, they wouldn't think Santa would do something like that. Thanks to Rod for giving us another one he's he's got a bunch we've got them all we got some that are mellowing that one is timely we'll see everybody next thursday and until then go out there and get wet and stay safe and have a merry christmas but don't do anything nasty to the angels unless you can get away with it right can you get away with it well you don't want you don't want santa to put you on the naughty list